Hey parents, welcome to another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. My name is Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Gurian. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. You too, Tim. Thank you. And we are so honored to have you listening to us, and uh, we've been really encouraged by your response and uh, the uh, the questions that you've been sending in to us. We appreciate it very, very much. If you're listening for the first time, uh, we want to invite you to head over to our website, wonderofparenting.com. It's wonderofparenting.com. And there are resources there that you can check out to help you as parents. Uh, there's a place where you can subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. And there's also a place where you can submit your own questions. And uh, we're in a series right now where we're answering question number three of four that we've received over the last few weeks. And we really do take these questions seriously. They're important to us because they're important to you. And really, the topics have been fantastic from the questions you've been sending in. So we appreciate it. And so if you have a question you want to send to us, it's wonderofparenting.com. There is a form where you can send that question, and we will get to it as soon as we possibly can as we're recording these episodes for you. Also want to remind you that we have a a Facebook page. Uh, Just go to Wonder of Parenting in the search on Facebook. You'll find us. Join the group, and uh, we can continue the conversation there. People all around the world uh, can talk about parenting together on our Facebook page. So, Michael, today we have a a question uh, that uh, comes from Elise, and uh, it starts out this way. Hello. Uh, I just started listening to the podcast and love the science aspect to the things I both remember as a young girl and experience now as a middle school math teacher. And uh, Elise, thank you for uh, being a teacher. It's such important work. So here's her question. I have a seven-month-old daughter and have been doing a lot of thinking about what it means to raise a girl today and the influence of outside forces on her. I was wondering if you could do a podcast on young girls entering kindergarten or any of the first societal experiences of this scale, and how they conform to peers or to societal pressure for the first time. So really what we're talking about here is is peer pressure on girls, and uh, I love that Elise is already thinking about this. Being a math teacher, she probably sees this stuff happening all the time and uh, wants to go in to those things uh, ready with as much information as possible. So, Michael, let's talk a little bit about the brain science perspective girls and um, how they relate to other girls and why this is such an important topic. Yeah, it's just great because, of course, like like all these wonderful, like you said, everyone's questions are so wonderful. Um, and this one, it's many tentacles to it. So, uh, And, and just, you raised two daughters, just to let people know. You raised yeah, two daughters. Right, and you raised a daughter, yeah, yeah. and you have granddaughters. Uh, yeah, and my so uh, my heart's in it, too, obviously, in all of these questions. And, and then with having girls, a lot of heart here. And uh, larger answers to this are in the minds of girls. So uh, larger answers there, a lot more time spent there. But let's hit a few key topics. Um, uh, On the one hand, peer pressure is a good thing. On the one hand, it's not a good thing. So from a a science-based perspective, so when we look at brain science and we say, what is the role of peers and why do peers pressure? Now, of course, her daughter is seven months old, so she's asking us to look forward not at seven months old. She's asking us to go forward to when her daughter is five, 10, 15. So peers are actually, and peer pressure is actually a good thing. Uh, You know, when it's coming from peers who are, who have a certain amount of character and who are, who are pushing and prodding us to expand out of our weaknesses, to empower ourselves, to, um, and to fit in a society and fitting in a society is actually a good thing. 
Um, now, as Americans, so I, folks are listening overseas may or may not fit for you, but as Americans, we're really, really individualistic. So usually when we talk about girls and peer pressure, of uh, uh, you know, a lot of my colleagues will say, well, actually, we don't want girls learning to, to socialize or to fit to fit in. We want them to be different. We want them to be themselves. And I, I would certainly not say we don't want them to be themselves. My two daughters are themselves. But at the same time, they used their community to help them navigate in and out of the, com the complexities of, of like the school world that uh, Elise is teaching in, the, the par parental world, all the various worlds. This group of peers pressured them this way and that so they could survive and thrive. So that's the plus of peer pressure. And a lot of it just takes care of itself and the girls take care of it themselves and we don't really have to worry about it. The peer pressure that we have to worry about is the stuff that is, let's say it's low character, it's dangerous, it's high risk. Um, like I remember one of my daughters who got pressured by this little group to go shoplift. Okay, you know, obviously that's bad. Um, now many of us have, I shoplifted as a kid and I just happened to not get caught, but it's a bad thing. We don't want that, right? That, And in fact, when it happened and she got caught, after that, we, we cut her off from uh, those friends. You know, as parents, we just said, this is our authority. That's dangerous. You can't do it. And she was okay with it. She actually didn't want to do that dangerous thing. But the peer pressure got her into that. And that was an example of where the group was sort of leading her astray. So uh, in the overarching, I know you'll ask me questions, but the overarching from my point of view is both from the science point of view and as a practical parent is that not to overreact to peer pressure unless there's some kind of high-risk danger or absolute immorality in it, uh, to see it as the socialization process and as very valuable for girls. So is there a difference the way that uh, girls respond to other girls and peer pressure uh, from how, how boys respond to peer pressure from other boys? Because girls are, are wired with these bonding chemicals? Well, both boys and girls, you know, peer pressure is what it is. And for no matter the difference between, I mean, at a macro level, no matter the difference between male and female brain, um, both males and females can can benefit from their peers pressuring them and also uh, can get too locked in to high-risk, dangerous behaviors uh, via peer pressure, and it can cause them trouble. Um, with girls, the behavior they get locked into that's bad for them is generally not as as terminal as for boys, right? I mean, more mm. boy, boys die, right? Because right. they do physically more physically dangerous things and they die or they're maimed, uh, they're crippled. So, so, you know, that's a difference. With girls, they get into more nastiness and mean girl stuff and girl drama, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And, and, and it's, it's, it's hurtful, but it doesn't kill them. So, I mean, there are definitely differences between male and female, but I don't think there's a, uh, I wouldn't want to say there's a big difference in, in the, quantity of males or quantity of females that sort of get driven into some negative patterns by peers. I'm guessing that's kind of the same. It's just more dangerous for the guys. The The other part of the question uh, for Elise has to do with societal pressure as well. And uh, I deal with some of that in my book, Raising Daughters in a Hashtag Me Too World. You deal with it in your book, uh, The Minds of Girls. And and that's just sort of the, the, the pressure... Uh, to conform, the pressure to wear a lot of hats, 
Um, you know, we know from some research, some research says that women are less happy today than they were 30, 35 years ago because there's so many expectations now to do it all, to be it all. Um, how, do, how do girls growing up feel that pressure? And uh, is it the same for boys? Well, if it moves toward um, depression and anxiety, like if a mom, I mean, at least isn't going to have this yet with a seven-year-old, but again, projecting forward, which she asked us to do, if the child is now, if the girl is 12 and, and mom has been noticing uh, increase in depression and anxiety and or anxiety in this child starting at like 10, 11, 12, um, then I think we start saying, hmm, what, you know, to what extent is this bio- biochemical? It will be biochemical, but to what extent has it has it been not just triggered naturally through hormones and the way that brain is set up, but external pressure? Because this is one of the ways we know girls are, as you've described, too pressured, is that they become anxious or they become depressed. And it can start as early, as early adolescence. Um, and certainly we could see it in mid-adolescence and late adolescence. So I would say if people are looking for a standard, if parents are listening and saying, what's my standard for knowing if these external pressures have become too much for my child, look for depression, look for anxiety. And then you start having to cut back. Uh, I mean, obviously you'll get help from a professional, right? Everyone should get help from a professional, look at this, see if meds are needed and and, and handle it professionally. Um, but also the parents are gonna have to look at maybe less multitasking because as I think you're hinting at, that multitasking stress stress is, is big for females. It's big for girls. It's not as big for boys for a number of reasons we've talked about. For girls, the way that brain is set up, all that white matter activity in that brain, um, if she's trying to do five, 10 things at once and she feels pressured to do five things well at once at 12 years old, uh, that could well lead to depression or anxiety. And we need to cut back, you know, cut her out of something, cut her out of piano, and keep her in sports or whatever it is to try to dial back that pressure. And some of that depression and anxiety obviously can come from pressure from her peers that is in the dangerous side. So cyberbullying, bullying, um, social media bullying, that can be peer pressure from uh, that can be dangerous and can lead to depression and anxiety. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. So look for depression and anxiety, especially in early adolescence and moving forward, and and then try to target how much of that is from peer pressure. If if my daughter is not depressed, she's not anxious, she has normal, you know, fears, as every child has fears, she has normal, I don't like that person, that person doesn't like me, normal girl drama, I'm not, I'm not worrying about her. I'm figuring the peer pressure is, is healthy in some ways, and, it's, and when it's unhealthy, she's dealing with it. 
But if she becomes depressed or anxious, then I'm really going to target it. So I think in part what Elise is getting at is not only, you know, how do these things work on our daughters, but how do we, in a sense, uh, I don't think she's trying to say insulate, but but at least prepare our daughters uh, as they're growing up. What are some of the gifts, some of the tools that we can give to our daughters to give them a sense of self, uh, a sense of, uh, you know, what it means to be a part of our family so that they're equipped to sort of, uh, you know, navigate their way through positive peer pressure versus the negative. So as you think about some of the things that you and Gail did raising your daughters or just raising daughters in general, what are some assets we as parents have that we can instill in our daughters or give to our daughters to help them as they're growing to to be confident in themselves and to be able to navigate in and out of uh, positive and or negative peer pressure? Well, most of them are going to be structural, and I'll describe what I mean. Um, uh, and I do a lot with this, actually, a lot with this research in the online course that I know we'll talk about. I have a lot of the new research on parent involvement, extended family involvement, godmother involvement, you know, for girls, um, godparent involvement. These are structural. And so, so th- and this is what we did, what Gail and I did. We did a combination of nature-based, so natural childhood, and by natural, I don't mean we, we didn't live in the woods. What I mean is we followed, uh, not that that would have been bad, but that didn't fit our lives. We followed their natural pattern of development. So we didn't, like, for instance, we didn't with our five-year-olds say, you have to go to Ivy League schools. So therefore, you now have to do all the things that are required for you to go to an Ivy League school. So I'm using this as kind of a stereotype, uh, but it's real. I mean, I've certainly had a lot of clients in my office who had this exact thing happen where they were told, these girls were told, this is what had to happen. And so they started getting pressured internally from the family. We didn't do that. We followed their natural developmental pattern. We had high standards for them in school. We we did not allow them to do other stuff if they weren't performing well in their grades. You know, so we had very high standards, but we didn't have that that uh, external pressure because we wanted to follow their natural pattern of development. And that meant we had to study them. And as you know, I wrote a book called Nurture the Nature. And I talk a lot in there about figuring out the nature of my child, studying it, and then following their personality type and following their gifts rather than me trying to make them gifted at something, following their gifts. So that was number one. We were natural. That's structural. And then the other structural components were to make sure that they had um, uh, strong nuclear family. Now we happen to be intact, but if we had been a, had had a divorce, we, we would still be the same. We'd want to have strong relationships with mom and dad both and uh, or the two partners both. And then um, so that's one structure because the research shows you don't necessarily have to give a girl a certain message for her to succeed, but she does need that parent involvement. And that's that's structural. And then we made sure they had she had mentors from very early on. So she had a godmother at birth. And the kids had that godmother all through their lives. And so they, she could always go to the godmother and the godmother could give them perspective on peer pressure, on stuff their peers were asking them for that maybe even we couldn't give them um, godmother. And then third, we made sure to have a larger extended family around them. And because we did not live near our relatives, our extended family came to a great extent through faith community. Like, for instance, we're Jewish. So they went through the bat mitzvah process. And so a lot of extended family there uh just because we didn't have blood kid near us um 
those are structural. And actually, the research shows that if you give children this three-family system, which you know I call it the three-family system, if they get that structure and that three-family system is helping them to navigate who they are, their core personality, who they are, through all the peer groups, through all the developmental stages, if they have those structures, they have scaffolding, and they're much less likely to become depressed, anxious, um, uh, to fail in school, you know, uh, to be bullied or to bully. Uh, so that is what I suggest people really focus on is making sure they have those core relationships uh, in the first family, which is their nuclear unit, however it's formed, in the extended family, and then in the larger system, which could be faith community, could be school, uh, could be sports, kind of a third family there. Uh, that That is what I strongly suggest rather than trying to find one tip or one message because we found that that doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. And what what about uh, and I'm guessing this happens in in the three family systems, but instilling um, healthy values, belief systems, uh, self esteem, self worth in our daughters as they're growing. Yeah, and that's the great thing about approaching this structurally is that there's no way you it can't happen. You know, like there, there's if you have a nuclear family, extended family, and a sort of larger corporate family, let's call it a third family that's that's wrapped around this girl, um, wrapped around this boy too. If you have that, they are constantly teaching and modeling values, and so even when you have you know people who call it the crazy uncle or the mean aunt or whatever it is, even when you have someone in that system who you who you think boy that's bad modeling, you know. But there are so many other people in the system who are modeling good values, who are modeling moral conduct, who are modeling healthy responses to peer pressure, et cetera, that that the children will grow up with those values through this echoing from the first, second, third family. And um, and and we actually, as nuclear family parents, don't have to worry as much about peer pressure uh, because we know that we've we've created this wraparound, three wraparounds for these girls parent involvement, extended family involvement, and and a larger system involvement that teaches the, the values. Uh, and so the girls are much more likely to grow up feeling comfortable in their own skin, having higher self-esteem. Um, uh, and, and, and this is why I'm being structural rather than like, like, for instance, people used to say, well, if you want them to have high esteem, just say good job to them all the time. Right. Well, but we know that's not correct. The research is very clear that if you're constantly saying good job to girls, at a certain point, they tune you out. Yep. They they know that you, you need to be praising accomplishments. You need to be praising the way they followed a value system. You need to be praising how they navigated peer pressure. Um, and they need the echo of that from various people. And then when they're doing wrong, they want us to critique. And I have this in the new parent course, too, because this is such nice new research. Um, uh, they want us to critique them, even if they say they don't. They The kids who had, had critiquing from parents, so not just the good job, but and not just the praise, but also had some healthy critiquing, those kids end up more resilient mm. as adults. So um, so I'm not saying no to any of these other things. I certainly said good job to my kids a lot. I coached them. Good job, good job. So we should keep doing that. But if he, people ask me what's the key, the key, the two keys, one are follow their natural development as human beings and nurture that, and number two, create this three-family structure around them. That's your best chance of them navigating peer pressure well. Now let's talk a little bit about then the role of a, a rite of passage 
uh, particulars our oh, daughters beautiful. reach certain yeah. age that uh, within the context of this structure, um, give us a little insight into what a rite of passage does and why uh, particularly now when uh, our daughters start moving into junior high years and they start moving into more womanhood, adulthood, uh, why a rite of passage can also be a valuable tool. Yeah, rites of passage, great, and and so I'm going to use I'm going to use the example of my kids' uh, bat mitzvah and how it fit uh, with everything I just said before, and then and then I'm gonna I think you maybe will talk about the rite of passage wisdom journey that you use and that we created for girls, right? Can we talk about both? Yes. Because they're great examples of yep. this. So so bat mitzvah is is an example. Um, uh, uh, so in our temple. The kids have to study for a number of years because they have to do all the Hebrew, all the Friday night Hebrew and all the Saturday Hebrew. And that's a lot. And, um, you know, it's five to six hours. And so it really takes a lot of study because none of them are native speakers of Hebrew, right? They're American kids. And um, and it's a lot of work. And and let's look at how the how we follow their natural development and then how first, second and third family wrap around them to make this rite of passage happen. And then they get the structural gifts through the rite of passage. So we in our family, it was natural in our family that they would have a bat mitzvah should they wish it, which they did. And it fit their nature. They wanted it. Um, it also fit, I believe, with their nature for them to need to stand up in front of other people. Because I think that's in the nature of every girl. Every girl, even the shyest, is trying to get the courage to to perform well in front of other people. So, And that's what this rite of passage had to do for them. Uh, it also fit in their nature to learn, and they really wanted to learn Hebrew, you know, more than the few prayers they knew initially. They wanted to learn the prayer book, etc. So that all of that fit their nature, and we were following their nature. And in fact, we gave our girls a choice, and both of them wanted to have a bat mitzvah. So it followed their nature. Then the wraparound. So their nuclear family's involved, mom and dad are involved, and we're, by the way, from a mixed, I, I'm born Jewish, Gail Christian, so we're mixed. Uh, but the whole family was involved, and then uh, godmother was involved, extended family was involved in helping, especially on my Jewish side. And then, of course, the religious community, the faith community, was a structure, a third family, that helped make it all possible. So over a period of like two years, they went through this rite of passage. And by the time they were 13 and they performed the bat mitzvah for that whole weekend, um, and they came out of that, they they were young adults. I mean, that rite of passage took them to some extent, from being kids to being young adults. They weren't adults, even though we Jews say they were. They weren't adults. Uh, but they were. They moved to young adults through that rite of passage, and it fit their natural development and all the structures united to help them. And I think that's, you can talk about the wisdom journey, which is mm-hmm. what we tried to do in that. Yeah, so so the way that Michael and I really connected all these years ago was in creating for my congregation, some rites of passage for our boys and then for our girls. And we created two faith-based programs, uh, the Heroic Quest for Boys and then the Wisdom Journey for Girls. And um, we, But we also recognized that out of that, uh, there are a lot of parents who may not be uh, connected to a faith community, but still wanted to take their kids through a faith-based uh, rite of passage, or they're not connected to a faith uh, community at all and don't want necessarily for a particular faith to be a part of raising their kids. So what we did was we branched out and we created uh, some rites of passage programs that, that uh, where dad could take his 13-year-old son through it. 
uh, and we call it uh, their uh, heroic. It's a heroic adventure, and uh, Dad, uh, we give guided questions for Dad and some activities that Dad and son can do. We've done the same with the wisdom journey for our girls, for our daughters, so moms can use that tool. And we have a faith-based edition, one a secular edition, and there's just a, uh, seven different uh, topics you talk through and activities, so that you can, uh, you know, surround your daughter uh, with that first family, and then second family comes in, and uh, it's it's just a great way at the age of 13, and then again at 16, uh, to 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 dive deep into these areas that we're concerned about that our kids are being shaped more by peer pressure than by us and it really is a way for us to to train them uh to to think through what kind of a, a woman do they want to be uh, and uh, to be a wise woman and wonderofparenting.com wonderofparenting.com they just scroll down and they can find access to ordering all of those programs and um, i think they'd find them very very helpful all of it based on brain science research and the work michael's been doing for years and it is just another layer uh, for moms like Elise and dads who are really concerned about the kind of peer pressure their kids are going to grow up in, the societal pressure. And there are things that we can do, as Michael's been saying, to create that scaffolding and then to pour some good values and belief systems into them. Um, yeah. What else would, do you want to say about this topic, Michael? Anything else that we well, haven't touched on? Uh, well, I want to say one thing about the rite of passage. People, every once in a while, and maybe some listeners are saying, to themselves, what, like, why didn't you call it a heroic quest for girls? Right. Yes. Uh, good. Because we you. called it a heroic quest for boys, you know. And I'll get asked that at lectures. Um, and I think, I really think this fits with nature-based theory, with what's natural. Like, even with my own daughters, I asked them about this, and they said, mm, "No, um, I, I like wisdom journey better than heroic." It wasn't that they didn't want to be heroic, but, but uh, they that wasn't their quest. They're, they're, um, they kind of saw that as more a guy thing, and they knew guys were obsessed with that, and they would roll their eyes about that. Uh, but they also liked, you know, the way the wisdom journey was set up with, you know, the wise teacher and the way intimacy and the way we set up that uh, acrostic. And when people go in and look at that on wonderparenting.com, you'll look and you see the acrostic for heroic, H-E-R-O-I-C, and wisdom, W-I-S-D-O-M, are actually a little bit different. And so it is, in a sense, responding to the nature of the kids and adding sex and gender in there, even though the values in both are the same values. We're not teaching boys and girls, you know, somehow girls to be better than boys or boys to be better than girls or any of that. It's all, all very, very similar. The expectations are similar, but the, what we see as a nature-based approach to girls and to boys is a little different. And this is why we think it works with kids because it kind of hits them in their hearts. Um, and then in terms of peer pressure, the other thing I would say is, is we've done other podcasts on it. We don't have time to go into it today, but girl drama um, is, you know, maybe look up the previous podcast where we've done it, or maybe we'll do another one because girl drama is a part of peer pressure and, and it can, girl drama can be healthy. It actually can. It can help girls set, set boundaries. It can help girls develop resilience. Um, it can also be unhealthy bullying. It can be unhealthy. And uh, so I guess I'll ask you, Tim, can folks find our old ones that we've done on girl drama before, or are we planning another one? Because that's a whole other aspect to peer pressure. The answer is yes to both. Okay. Um, yes, right. if they go back and look through uh, some of our old, uh, not old, our evergreen, as the, the term is used. Oh, yeah, podcasts, evergreen is what we do our, now. Our yeah. evergreen, uh, <laughs> ever live, ever helpful uh, podcasts, uh, if they go back through, 
uh, you know, this is this is uh, episode number 27 for us, so it's not like you have to go through hundreds of them. You just scroll down through on iTunes, and you'll find them. Uh, and there are various ones. We've got, you'll see uh, when we talk specifically about girls, we'll, we'll say that in the title, uh, specifically about boys or if it's just general. And so you'll, you should find those topics very, very quickly. And, yes, I do think uh, there are always times for us to talk about these things over and over again from different perspectives. So, yes, that'll be another one coming up here in oh, the good. future. Okay. Yep. And I got a lot of this in my parenting course, too, on so, girl drama. So, so as we wrap up, talk about your, your parenting course. Yeah, if folks want to, if you want to get um, six hours of video content from me divided into sections um, so you can use it over time, and then also uh, PDF materials that you can refer to that give all sorts of strategies, around 100 strategies in this course, uh, and for um, uh, conference calls, group conference calls for people who have taken the course to ask questions and interact with, with me uh, and each other, and then also a private consulting um, coaching, parent coaching session with me by phone uh, that's private just to you and your spouse um, uh, for an hour. So all of that is in this course. So you do the six hours and you also get the four group calls and you get the private count, uh, uh, consulting and, and coaching session. And so I, I see it as when I add it up in terms of what all this would cost separately, it's, you know, in the many, many hundreds, seven, eight hundred dollars, I think. But but it's all inside the three ninety five for the course. Uh, so if you go to GurianInstitute.com, G-U-R-I-A-N, GurianInstitute.com, and it, you'll see it immediately as soon as you hit the site, you'll see my photo teaching this course and you click it and it leads you to the, the web page. And um, if you're interested in all these things we do in this podcast, I, I hope you'll you'll look at that course. I think you'll love it. Yep. And and when you think about the investment into your children for that, for the rest of their lives, it, it is priceless. So I highly recommend it, GurianInstitute.com. Uh, dot com right yeah greeninstitute.com yep. it'll yep. show up and uh, and then it'll show up uh so next week we've got uh kind of our last question in this four-part series and the question comes from london and michael i i'm thinking you and i need to hop on british airways and fly over to london and do our <laughs> show from there it's one of my favorite cities and we have a lot of listeners over in in england and we sure appreciate that and are looking forward to uh, diving in the question from london and uh, until then michael thank you very very much for your time today thank you tim thanks everyone and thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, make sure you tell your friends uh, through social media about the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to go and leave a review, we'd sure appreciate that. That always helps uh, get more listeners. And uh, the more, the merrier for us and the better we are in raising our kids together. And, our, of course, our Facebook page, Wonder of Parenting group page, where we can connect uh, off air. Uh, we appreciate it, and we look forward to, uh, to talking to you from London, at least in our minds, uh, <laughs> next week. Have a great week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.